Good morning. Започваме. Get to hear us with an echo. Don't know how we get rid of that. God is good, isn't he? Is God good at the back there? Amen. Praise God. You know, I believe that we are touching one of the most important subjects for us. It's important that we understand how to use money. This is really off-putting. And how to uh, to deal with the things that God has given us. Nothing you can do on that, Craig. No, I'm sorry, mate. Okay. You know, there's a lot of teaching in the body of Christ about money. And I'm sure you've heard some of it. Some of it's good. And some of it's not so good. And the way we respond to money will affect our whole lives. You know, I believe that you cannot read the Bible without coming to the conclusion that God wants us to prosper. You know, if we turn to Psalm 35 verse 27, in the second part of this, this verse it says, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. How many of you are servants of God this morning? Put your hand up if you're a servant He says he delights in the prosperity of his servant. If you put your hand up, that's you. If the person next to you put their hand up, that's them. Who's a servant of God? Put your hand up. Okay, look at the person next to you. Say God delights in your prosperity. So if we say to one another, you're going to be prosperous. We're speaking things into being. The Bible tells us that God calls those things which are not as though they were. We might not be prosperous at this moment, but if we start to confess that we're going to be we will be. You know, Psalm 1 verses 1 to 3 tells us how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Nor does he stand in the path of 
of sinners. Nor seat in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of living which yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does he prospers Amen. God says the man that does these things that doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked he doesn't stand in the path of sinners he doesn't sit with scoffers but he delights in God's law he meditates on God's law he allows God's law to come into his life to change his life he says he will prosper in some things nay says he will prosper in a few things what will he prosper in in everything if you do these things the bible says you will prosper in everything everything whatever he does prospers so you'll prosper at work you'll prosper at home you'll prosper when you're out shopping you know, I believe you can shop with God whenever I buy something if it's a big item I always ask God to lead me to the best deal I don't just run down to the nearest shop I say God where is the place where I am so blessed when I go shopping that when my friends want to buy things they come and ask me I was in Southeast Asia in, in Singapore and the people there are known for getting bargains they are known for getting the best price that you can get when I go to Singapore they come shopping with me because they say to me you get deals we could never get because God prospers me in whatever I do I expect him to do that you should expect him to prosper you in whatever you do if you fulfill the conditions you don't walk in the counsel of the wicked you don't stand in the path of sinners we're called to be different not to live by the world that doesn't mean we don't have something to do with the world but we don't live by their standards 
Sometimes that costs or appears to. But if we live by God's standards, he says he will bless us. Craig read it earlier, but I want to mention it again. John chapter 3 John 1 verse 2. 3 John 1 verse 2. John prays, he says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. John prays that as their soul prospers so will they prosper. You know, it starts with something going on inside. John says your soul prospers. We need to have our spirit man strong. You know, we need to build him up so that he's prospering. We need to live by the word of God. And John prays, he says, as you do that, that will work out into your physical being. You will have good health. And you will prosper in all other respects. You can see from just these few passages we've read that God wants his people to prosper. Turn to the person next to you. Say to them, God wants you to prosper. Now I believe it's quite clear that there are some foundational things that we need to understand. You know, we need to understand these foundational truths. You know, people perish for a lack of understanding. You know, many churches are poor because they fail to understand the principles by which God wants them to live and prosper. So open your ears this morning. Stoil, stop talking. You need to be listening. I don't want you to be talking to one another. I'm going to share with you some truth that can change your life. If you just come and talk to the person next to you, you could miss the truth this morning and you will be condemned to poverty. The Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We have a saying in England pin your ears back. Pin your ears back. Open your ears. Make sure you can hear. Open them up. You know, if we take more than a little look at the Word of God if we look at the Word of God 
we can see these foundational principles. We can see that it's God's desire that we as his people are a giving people. You know, the first principle of being prosperous in the kingdom of God is that we learn to give. You say, oh, don't want to give. I want to receive. You know, I was in Africa a little while ago and I had a video camera and I'm videoing the crusades we're doing. And what I really wanted was to put these crusades on TV. But I had no money to buy TV cameras. I only had a little camera. And I'm videoing. And one of the pastors looks at my camera and says, that's a nice camera. And I hear this voice in my head. God said to me, give him your camera. I said, I don't want to give him my camera. You give him yours. He said, that's what I'm trying to do. He said, I gave you that camera and now I want you to give it away. if you give he said I can give back to you you know the Bible says if we give God will give back to us pressed down squashed together and overflow you know if you put something in a bucket and you push it down and you push it together you can get more things in your bucket and God says that he wants to fill your bucket up to overflowing so I gave this man God's camera you know everything that we have God gave to us I don't care whether you earned it whether you went to work and paid for God gave you the job it's God that pays our salaries not our employer and we need to recognize first of all that everything that we have been given has been given to us by God I gave this man the camera I came back to England I was sad I thought I'm never going to be on TV now I have no camera a friend of mine came up to me he said I understand that you want some TV cameras I said yes he said I would like to buy you three I sewed one camcorder I reaped three broadcast quality TV cameras is that pressed down squashed together and overflowing you know the first principle we need to learn is God expects us to give. He wants us to be like himself. He has already given 
us everything that we are. Look at the person next to you. How well has God dressed them? Jana looks dressed pretty well. Maruska's dressed very well. <laughs> she owns the shop. <laughs> Everything that we have. Clothes. Everything. Appliances in our house. God gave them to us. You know, so, but we need to understand there's another principle that works in tandem. And that's the principle of receiving. You cannot talk about giving without talking about receiving. Many of the passages that talk about giving also talk about receiving. They are one and the same principle. The passage I talked to you about first, it says give, give, and it will be given to you. There's these two things that work together. Historically, the church have only talked about giving. They've only read half the passage. We don't like to talk about receiving. But if you read the Bible, you'll find that God talks about both giving and receiving. Stop buying up the young girls. I'm talking to these young men. <laughs> Listen. You know, it's important for you as well. These principles work whether you're young or whether you're old. You know, they think because they're around the corner I can't see them talking. I'm giving you a hard time this morning because it's important to listen. You know, we can receive from God in the same proportion we give to God. You know, when I say it says give and it will be given. You know that God is gives us proportionally. The Bible tells us if we sow sparingly, if we give sparingly, we're reaped sparingly. You know, if you only sow a few seeds, you'll only have a few plants grow. And you'll only have a small crop. But if you sow loads of seeds, you'll grow loads of plants. And you'll have a bigger crop. The proportion to which we give will affect the proportion to which we receive back from God. And you might say, well, I don't have very much. 
doesn't matter. Because God doesn't look on the amount that you give. God looks on how much it costs you to give. You know, there was a woman standing at the temple one day. And Jesus talked to his disciples. He said, watch this woman. And they watched her and she took out of her pocket two small coins. A few, just a couple of left. Or probably a couple of stinky. And she put them in the offering. And other people came along and they put huge amounts of left And Jesus told his disciples. He said, this woman has given more than any of them. Because she gave out of her need. Everything that she had. God doesn't look at the amount. If he looks at the amount, those of us that don't have much would struggle to receive much back. But he looks at what it costs us. And he gives back in proportion to how much you it cost you to give. It says give and it will be given back to you. Have no doubt in your mind. If you don't sow, you will not reap. If you sow sparingly, you will only reap sparingly. I believe that prosperity is a biblical principle. And you know, you might think, well, Tim, you're saying hard things to us this morning. But I know these principles work because I've been practicing them for 30 years. And the other thing that's said to me, Tim, you could fall into a pile of manure horse dung crack I could fall into a load of smelly bad smelly things people say Tim if you fell into a cesspit toilet pit septic tank you would come out smelling of roses <laughs> because they recognize God's blessing on my life they say whatever he does he's going to be blessed that's not because I came from a rich family that's not because I've made lots of money but that's because God honors people who live by his You know, many Christians that have come across my life believe that God wants them to have just enough. They say to me things like this. Oh Tim, if God gives me just enough to live on, I'll be happy. I don't want to be rich. I just want enough to live on. 
You know, I turn around and say to them, You selfish person. Pardon? They think just enough is a godly thing to do. You're selfish. Because you're only thinking about yourself. If you were rich, how many more people could you bless? If you were rich, how many people could you bless? You know, the God we serve is not a God of just enough. He's a God that wants his people to prosper in And prosperity. Craig gave you one description of prosperity. I want to give you one that's similar. I believe biblical prosperity is we have sufficient to meet our own needs and enough left over to meet the needs of others around us so we can be like God who gives abundantly and without reproach God is not a God of just enough if we look at the Bible you know we can see that people saw that God was with men they recognized God's presence on somebody's life by the way that those people prospered look at Joseph Galatians 39 uh, Genesis 39 here we have uh, Joseph he's been sold into slavery you think well that's not very prosperous he's a slave uh, I'm going to read verses 2 through 4 it, it says of Joseph the Lord was with Joseph so he became a successful man and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that Joseph did to prosper so Joseph found favor in the sight of his master and became his personal servant and he made him overseer of his house and all that he owned he put in his charge this man recognized God was with Joseph why did he recognize God was with Joseph because everything Joseph did prospered you know, I think that would make you a very acceptable employee. Imagine you get a reputation for the people that you work for. That every time they have you working for them, they're busy. 
business starts to prosper and make lots of money. You know, I think there'd be a lot of people after you to employ you. I think they'd be looking around saying, hey, no, we're going to come, come and work for me. I'll pay you more than him because I know that when you're working, I get a big income. You know, that's what this says. Joseph's master saw that whatever he gave to Joseph to do prospered because God was with Joseph. Is God with us? Some of you don't look sure. Is God with you? So this should be true for you as well. Rather than being people who are despised, they should be saying about the Roma and Turkish people, those that know Jesus, when they come and work for us, boy, we do well. That's the way it should be. That's what God wants You know, Joseph was prospering this man. Then Joseph gets thrown into prison. We all know the story. The wife took an eye liking to him. And his master, even though he was making money, wasn't going to have Joseph messing with his wife. You know, Joseph was unjustly accused of something. You know, some of us have been unjustly accused of things in our life. But I want you to notice, even though people accused him wrongly, God still caused him to prosper. If we go down to verse 23, we find Joseph in jail. And the chief, it's, we're told, the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge. Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. So here we have Joseph, he's in prison. But even in prison, the jailer recognizes God is with him. Why does the jailer recognize God is with him? Because whatever he does, you know, I believe this is normal living for people who are in a relationship with God. If it's not normal living for you, then you need to deepen your relationship with God. It says those, what was it we read earlier? Who don't sit in the way of sinners, who don't spend time with coffers and moaners, people who moan, but those who delight themselves in God's word and seek to live by it. He causes them to prosper. And that's not just the prosperity that you have for yourself. It's a prosperity that other people will see. 
I was in a Makalar in Vidin just yesterday before yesterday. And a lady was there. And she told her testimony. She said, I have no work. And she said, there is a factory in the town and I wanted to work in that factory. She went to the factory and said, do you have a job for me? And the owner of the factory said, do you have any experience in this work? And she said, no, I don't have any experience in this work. He said, I need people that are experienced. She said, if you employ me, I will do my best. He said, no, I need people who are experienced. She said, employ me for 10 days. Don't pay me. She said, see whether I do you good or not. You know, if you offered work for nothing, people will have you in. She went and worked for nothing. You had no obligation to pay her any money. But she knew something. She believed God's word. That whatever she did would prosper. She was in the factory five days. And the man came down to her. He said, you have the job. I'm going to pay you from today. Because he recognized that what she did prospered. You know, if you're unemployed, maybe you need to start to live by the word. And trust that God can do the same for you. If we really believe that God prospers whatever we do, and we put our faith in that, we become very attractive employees. And God can prosper our lives. Joseph prospered in the house. And he prospered in the prison. Because God was with him. Both these men recognized that. You know, I think we should all have that reputation. We should have the reputation for being men and women whose lives are marked by God's blessing. And that whatever we put our hands to, that God will bless us. You know, I think if we have that reputation, we'll have people queuing up at here to take the people from the Makalas to go and work for them. Because they will want to prosper. You know, we can see that God's a generous God as well. You know, that God has a generosity of spirit. You know, I used to think that God wanted me to be poor. That he just wanted me to have barely enough to live on. 
You know, but when I read the Bible, I don't read that is and the nature of our God. You know, they're, they're going for a walk one day, the disciples. And we're told 5,000 people went with them. You know, they, they haven't got anything to eat. So Jesus takes a few loaves and fishes. And he feeds 5,000 people. And everyone got a little piece of fish. And a tiny little piece of bread. And they had just enough. Is that true? Nay? Now what does it say? It says everybody ate sufficient. And how many baskets of food did they pick up You know, some Christians I know will be saying, Oh God, don't do that! That's a terrible waste. Imagine throwing away 12 baskets of food. Say, no God, Daniel, you should have made less. You know, when he fed the 4,000, we're told they picked up seven baskets. I know Christians. They say, oh, don't buy too much. We might have some left over. Because they are thinking God's a God of just enough. In both of these miracles, God is demonstrating a truth about himself. He's demonstrating the truth that he's not a God of just enough. He's a God of the more than enough. That he wants to bless his people and bless them and bless them so they have enough to meet their own needs and plenty to meet the need of others. The God we serve is a very generous God. And anyone that tells you anything different is wrong. You know, there is prosperity doctrine that I don't agree with. A young man said to me one day, I've given away my car. I said, that's very good. He said, yes, because I want a Jaguar. He said, I've given a Ford and I'm going to get a Jaguar. He said, I'm naming the car. He said, I'm naming it and claiming it. I said, you've misunderstood the principle. The principle is give. Not because you're expecting to receive. But because you have a generosity of spirit. Amen. If you have that, then God will give back to you. But if you're giving just because you want to get back. That's a very different spirit. 
That's not the spirit that God has. The spirit of generosity. That's a spirit of self-serving and self-ambition. If we give because we have a generous heart and generous spirit. God will give back to us generously. But if we give because we just want to get something better, we have misunderstood the God that we serve. Now it's important to realize when we're talking about money that God doesn't need you to give. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them God doesn't need your money. Turn to the person next to you. Say, the church doesn't need your money. You know, some of the pastors are looking at me now saying, yes, we do. God doesn't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. Because if you don't give, God will give. And God already owns everything that you have anyway, so he doesn't need it. The reason we need to give is because the word tells us we need to give. You know, you cannot receive unless you've given. We need to understand that. We need to understand that God already owns everything. Psalm 50, verse 12. The second half of the psalm, it says, For the world is mine and all that is within it. Everything we see around here, God owns. There are a few deluded people around that think they own some of it. But if God wants to, he could click his fingers and everything that they have will be taken from because God owns it all Psalm 50 verse 12 the we need to recognize that everything that we've been given has been given to us by God and we need to learn to give ourselves. I want to give you some reasons to give. We need, we need to learn to give. Somebody said to me once, I can't afford to give. They said to me, Tim, I have all these debts. I only have a little bit of money. I said, I want you to write down all your outgoings. How much you spend on food? Petrol for your car? Paying for electricity? Buying clothes? Write all the list. And he brought me the list. He said, see, these are all the things I spend every month. And this is what I earn in a month. 
And there's not enough money in the earnings column to pay for the outgoings. And right at the bottom of his list of outgoings. No, he said. The last thing on his list. That was an outgoing that he had to spend every month. Was gift to the church. I said, give me your piece of paper. I took my pen out and I crossed out the gift to the church. And his face smiled. Oh, one thing I don't have to pay. And then I wrote it in at the top of the list. Gift to the church. I said, what can't you afford now? What's at the bottom of the list now? He said, but, but, but. I said, you can't afford not Because if you don't give to God, you block him from giving back to you. The very first thing that we give when we earn money is what we give to God. Not because God needs it. Not because the church needs it. But because we need to give so that we can receive back. And as we give that, we are demonstrating that we are trusting God. We're saying, God, you gave me everything I have. And I'm trusting you by giving you the first of it back. You know, many years ago, when Kim and I first got married, we were invited out to dinner by a very wealthy family in the church. They both had very good jobs. Both the husband and the wife. The husband earned more than Kim and I did together. The wife earned more than Kim and I did together. And they invited us round for dinner. And we had a really nice dinner. But there were funny questions being asked all evening. And I... Think, why do they keep on asking these questions? You, you were asking. Yeah, they were asking us. And eventually the wife said, I can't stand this any longer. Tell me. Do you tithe? And I said, yes, we do. And she turned to her husband and said, I told you they did. Noticed 
that we had far more things than they ever had. They noticed that our lives were far more blessed than their lives. And the wife had said to the husband, it's because they give to God. And the husband had said, we can't afford to give to God. How can they afford to give? And they'd asked us around to find out whether we did. You know, we realized that evening. It doesn't matter how much you are. It matters what your heart is. And if you have a heart to give to God, He's going to give back to you. Bless you. Other people recognized it. So we give because we're demonstrating our trust in God. Craig already said it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6 verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You know it talks about clothing, food. And all the things we need for everyday living. He said, if you put God first, God will give you all these other things. Matthew 6 verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters. He will hate, he will either hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, we give firstly to demonstrate that we are trusting God. We're demonstrating that we at the point we give we're saying I know you gave me everything God and as I'm demonstrating my trust in you I am giving back to you. Secondly we were giving because we recognize that God gave us in the first place. I've already said it but your employer doesn't pay you. Yeah? It's God that gives you your income. You know, I read this passage of scripture. Philippians 4.19 It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know, and I read this passage one morning. It was just in my daily Bible reading. And I went to work. I came home at lunchtime for my lunch. And my wife said, There's a letter from the bank. I opened the letter from the bank. And the letter said, We had paid a check into our bank account. We paid some money into our check. Yes, I had paid a check into my and the bank on which this money was being drawn had written to our bank 
and said there is no money in this account. This check is rubbish. It was over a month's wages. I had done a very big job for somebody. I had bought all the materials for the job. I had worked in their house for a month. And the check that they gave me was worthless. And God reminded me of this scripture. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And I'm thinking about this scripture. And God said to me, do you believe that? I said, of course I believe it, God. He said, I supply your salary then. I said, yes, God. He said, write to the man and tell him you'll give him the job. I said, but God, I paid out on all these materials. If I give him the job, I'll have no income. God said to me, does he pay your income or do I pay your income? I chatted to my wife. I said to her, Kim, I think God's told me to write to this man and give him the money. My wife is very sensible. She's a godly lady, but she's very sensible. And I thought she'd say to me, don't be mad. You're crazy! Don't do that! She said to me, that sounds like God. I would blow. <laughs> I went to my business advisor. He told me, you are crazy. Take the man to court and get your money. But God kept on saying, I meet your needs. We wrote to the man. We said we are Christians. We know that you have no money to pay us for the work We do not want you to be under any pressure to pay us. So we are going to give you the job and all the materials. And uh, we never heard anything from the man. And the time was getting closer when I was going to need to pay my bills. And every morning I got up and I declared God will meet all my needs according to his riches in glory. I believe it. God said it. That's what's going to happen. Nothing happened. Then I got a phone call. It was the man who we did the job for. He said, will you come and talk to us? I went over to his house. He told me that he had chosen my company because I worked on my own. That he never had any intention of paying me. He thought I wouldn't be able to afford to take him to court. 
Because I was just a little business. He thought if I took him to court, the court would only make him give me a few lever a month. And I wouldn't bother getting it because it would be so small amount. He said, when we got your letter, he said, neither my wife or I have slept one wink of sleep since. He said, we cannot get any peace. He said, we do not understand why you did this. He said, but we are getting unwell because we're not sleeping. And he said, we are tormented. He said, we have been to the bank and borrowed the money. Here, take your money and go He paid us in full. Because we did it God's way. If we had done what everyone else had said, he was expecting those things. But when he heard, he heard God speak to him through our actions, and that caused him to change his mind. Because he realized he, he wasn't stealing from us. He was stealing from our God. And neither he or his wife could live with that. Do you believe that God supplies all your needs? Because if we believe this, it's truth. I don't believe these things just because I read them. I believe them because I've been living them for 30 years. And God has proved himself faithful. We give then because God commands us to give. We give because we're recognizing that God has given us everything. We give, thirdly, because God commands us to give. And because we know that if we are obedient to God's command, He will bless us. Malachi 3, verse 10. Malachi 3 verse 10 declares bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this says the Lord of hosts if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows you know I, I think there is only one time in the Bible where God says test me Another translation says, prove me. This translation says, prove me now in this. It's not often God asks us to test him or prove him. 
But he says, if you test him in this, he will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings until they overflow. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing in your life. You know, we give because we want to be obedient. You know, this is talking about tithes and offerings. You know, the tithe, some people say, well, that's Old Testament. I want to tell you the tithe is not Old Testament. It predates the first covenant. Who was it? Abraham? Abraham? Tithe to Melchizedek. Before the first covenant. If you read in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 24, verse 24. Jesus encourages the Pharisees that they should have kept tithing and doing these previous things that they were required to do under the law and they should have done other things as well. You know, the tithe was the first that they gave to God. They gave at least 10%. You know, 10%. People said, well, I can't afford to do that. I said, you can't afford not to do it. You know, they gave the tithe before they had had the complete harvest. When they started harvesting their crop, it was the first of the harvest that they gave. There was no guarantee they would get any more, but they gave. And at times the tithe was up to 25% of their income. I read of a man recently that is giving 90% of his income as his tithe. Malachi talks about tithes and offerings. It says that we can rob God in our tithes and offerings. You know, the tithe is what we give back to God first. The offering is other things that he might ask us to give to. You, know, you might give an offering to Sashko's building. That's not your tithe. Your tithe goes to where you're being fed. You give an offering to help build his building. Or to Danny's building. Danny's going to build a building, aren't you, Danny? You might give an offering to Danny's building. Others of you might have a project that you give an offering to. But that's not your tithe. The tithe is what you give to God. Malachi says that you've been robbing me in these things. Because you haven't brought the whole tithe into the stairhouse. So we give because we recognize our money 
has been given to us by God. We give our tithe because we recognize as we do that it opens the windows of heaven and God can pour out blessings Amen. The opposite is true. Amen. If you don't give the windows are closed. You know, when we first started our married life somebody gave us a machine to wash our clothes in. The machine was already 10 years old. They were throwing it away, but they said, you can have it. They said, it won't last very long, but it might do you a few months. And they bought a new machine. They had four new machines in the next 20 years. We didn't have any new machines. We had the same machine. 30 years old when we got rid of it. Malachi says God will rebuke the devourer for you. You know the devourer wants to make everything break down and stop working. When that washing machine came into our house, it came under our blessing. It might have been 10 years old. It might have just about been thrown out. But God rebuked the enemy from it. And it lasted another 20 years. Ah, amen. Amen. You know, when he rebukes the devourer, he makes things last longer. And if things last longer, you don't need to earn so much money to replace them. God brings blessing into your life. He wants to bless us, but we need to give first. So we give because we recognize God's given us everything. We give because we want to be obedient and submit to His Word and give of our income. We give because we want to be like God and be generous. We give because we recognize that the money we have has potential to grow. You know, if we believe that our money is seed, we can expect a harvest from it. You know, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he tells them something which is a very important passage and I want you to, to listen carefully to this it says now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will multiply your seed for sowing what does he supply you with? He supplies you with seed to sow and bread to eat. You do realize 
If you eat your seed, you will not get a harvest. I was in Africa recently and I was talking to a man from Zimbabwe and in Zimbabwe the black Africans have taken the farms back from the white Africans and this man had been a white African farmer and the government had come in and taken his farm from him and they'd given it to his black workers and it was in a time of harvest and the workers went out into the fields and they harvested the crop and they lived really well for six months they had plenty and it came to the time when they had to sow and they came to the white farmer and they said to him will you give us seed to sow he said what are you talking about he said I'm no longer the farmer you are the farmers they said but every year you give us seed to sow in the fields he said yes but I'm no longer the farmer you are the farmer he said have you got no seed he said there was a big harvest what did you do with the harvest they said we ate it he said every year I save seed from the last year's harvest to sow for next year's harvest he said you have seed to sow and seed to make into bread to eat he said if you have eaten your seed for sowing you are in trouble he said you will have to go and buy seed they said we have no money to buy seed we ate all the harvest. He said, You will have to go and borrow money so that you can sell. And those men lived very poorly for several years because they had eaten the seed that they were meant to be sowing. God gives us seed to sow and bread to eat. And we need to be careful that we are looking to the future and we keep some seed just to sow. Because if we don't sow, we will not reap. And we will stay in poverty the rest of our lives. This is a very important passage. I meet many Christians that eat that which God has given them to sow. And they might have a time of plenty at that time. They might live well for a little while. But down the line, if there's no harvest, there's poverty ahead. 
we need to be prepared to we need to recognise that God supplies a seed to sow and bread to eat. How we do? We're going to finish in a minute. But I would encourage you. Be prepared to give. Recognise that God has given you everything. As you give, give in faith. Trusting that there will be a harvest. And give as much as you can. You know, the Bible says, He who sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. You know, my life is blessed. Because I've sowed some good things. You know, years ago we were building, we were built, building a church building. And Kim and I, my wife and I, were praying. We said, God, what shall we give to the church? And God gave me a figure. And I thought it was my imagination. And Kim was in, that, in our house cleaning the cupboards. And I said to her, I said, have you prayed about how much we should give to the church? She said, yes, I have. I said, has God told you how much to give? She said, yes. I said, tell me. She said, no, you tell me. I said, no, you tell me. She said, tell me. I said, God told me to give this amount. She lifted her head up. Bang! Hit it on the cupboard door. She said, that is exactly the figure God told me. The reason she was shocked was because the only way we could give that money was to sell at home and to give the proceeds to the church. We had one child two years old and Kim was expecting our second child. She was six months pregnant and we sold our house and we moved out of the house my dad came round he said where are you living I said we're going to stay with some friends he said have they got a big house I said no it's smaller than the house we've just sold he said where are you going to stay then I said they've said we can have one room we moved into one room my father said to me he wasn't a Christian man he said you can never come to my house again I will never speak to you again if I see you in the street I will walk on the other side of the road you are not a son of mine he said your wife is welcome in my house your children are welcome in my house but don't you ever come again for three months we lived in one room but we believed God the word says whosoever given up houses, homes family, parents for the sake of the gospel will get a hundredfold back in this age 
an eternal life in the age to come and we believe God one week before our son was born we were given a new house the new house was bigger than the new house was in a better part of town than the old the new house had a bigger garden had two bathrooms four bedrooms a separate room to eat your food in from where you sat it had an office for me to work in we had given £10,000. God gave us back £25,000 to enable us to buy a new home. One week later, our son was born in our new house. My father came round. He said, How did you afford this? God gave me £25,000. He said, Don't be stupid, give it back. I said, I can't give it back, I don't know where it came from. We never spoke about it again. But he realized we lived by a different standard. If you sow generously, you reap generously. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Some of you are in churches and you want to build church buildings. And every time a foreigner comes, you think, oh, nice foreigner! <laughs> Perhaps they will pay for our church! If they do, it won't change anything. It will change it for them because they will prosper. But if you don't give, you'll stay poor. You might have a lovely church building, but you won't be blessed. Some of you just need to hear what God's saying and make sure these buildings get built that might cost you for us to build a building it cost me my home but God gave me and God's blessed us ever since then and every time we've given he's given back you know, but when you give, it takes time for a harvest to grow. You plant a seed, you don't reap a crop the next day. I am planting now for the crop I'm going to receive next year and the year after. I'm reaping a harvest now because of the seed I've planted years ago. And if you haven't planted in the past, start planting now. Let's pray, Sean. Heavenly Father, 
We pray that you will give us wisdom. That we will recognize the food you give us to eat. And the seed that you've given us to sow. And we will understand the difference. And Father, we pray that you will bless us with food to eat. And seed to sow. And give us wisdom to plant the seed in good soil. That we might reap the harvest you intended for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Just, uh, just, um, just, uh, you've been listening so well. I'm very well. Very pleased with you. Uh, after, we're going to have lunch now. And uh, after lunch, I want to talk about, it says, it says, they that are so in tears shall reap in joy. You know, it was tough. You know, sowing is difficult. It's scary to be giving your money away. And for, you can see the sacrifice on Tim and Kim as they gave money away. But the Bible teaches this principle. That we have to, we have to give before we receive. And so after lunch I want us to talk more about this. Look at more scriptures. I'm going to call on Sashko to speak some. And Shagan here. Both uh, brothers have come from very poor backgrounds. And I wanted them to tell us what they've discovered about this truth. Because Tim has led us into this area. And I want us just to camp on this area and focus on this area. And build our faith up in this area. Because it takes some faith when God says give to give. And it takes some obedience. And it's a sacrifice. I've had times given away money. And I've had my children virtually watching with tears in their eyes. But I've known it's been right to give. And hey, I'm still standing. <laughs> and I'm better in a better shape than I've ever been before. And here's Tim and he's still standing. <laughs> Everyone thought that you know, he was taking a gun and shooting himself in the head with it. But the crop came back in. And for us to get out of our poor situation, we're going to have to sow our way out. And we're not talking about being recklessly stupid. But we are talking about hearing from God, deliberately giving away money, and believing God for the multiplication. 